You're listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com. Jack Helmuth's room. Escort service. You yeah, ca- what took you guys so long? You called for an escort? Yep. All righty. Uh, you uh, had requested Diana. She's got the flu. Okay, that's I, but that doesn't change the fact that I requested her. Well, we and have. I'm a white man with money, and I would like to uh, make love with Diane, and it would be making love. Well, we have another Diane. Uh Wait just a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Is it Diane or Diana? There were a lot on your page. It's no. This is Diana too. We're calling her Diana too. Okay. And um, uh, she's a describe. Yeah. Yeah, please. Go ahead. She is a, a gorgeous woman, uh, a brunette. Mm-hmm. I hope you like brunettes. You specified you did. That's my favorite, as you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She is a beautiful brunette. She's got, she's about six feet tall. So she's got some height on her. Um, she's okay. got very developed biceps, a goatee, uh, pierced ears, right and left. What? And, uh, and a couple of tattoos. Uh, from uh, her time in the military and um, and a dog that uh, he she loved very dearly. It's tattooed what? on the side of his, his her arm on the big bicep weightlifter. Huh. Beautiful um, woman. Gorgeous. OK. You know, I don't mind a few tattoos and most of the women I've laid with have had their ears pierced. Yes. That's not a problem. Uh-huh. Um, uh, biceps, uh, you know, not a, a great, um, not a feature that I would super be interested in, but not necessarily a deal break. Well, uh, you know, she works out. She takes care of herself. She uh, mm-hmm. can, she can bench uh, about 200 pounds. What Lord. Yeah. She's strong. Okay. Um, you know, there are a few red flags here. Um, would you mind terribly, I know this is an awkward question to ask over the phone, but would you mind terribly describing her vagina? Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to do that. I have photographs. Thank you. You know, we we take, uh, you know, we take photographs of all our girls. So we know, you know, what we got. We, and we, we have them get tested. They get tested, uh, twice a week just to make sure they don't have any, any naughty things. You know, we don't want to lose our clients or anything, you know? So uh, I right. can tell you from right. looking at her photographs, she has uh, a very a long penis. Maybe, I mean, I'm going to guess, uh, I don't have a, this is not next to her ruler, so I'm going to say eight inches maybe, which is quite, uh, that's above average. I think the average is is six inches for a woman's penis. And um, I got, you know, it is, it looks to be circumcised. Um, you know, it's hard for me to know when it, when it's in this particular condition. You know, but it's, it's, it, look, I'm guessing it's circumcised. Okay. Because uh, he had been a rabbi. <laughs> uh, but what a, what a crazy life this uh, Diana too is. Yeah. She, she was once a rabbi and then she, she just got, she did, she just, she just got bored with it and she wanted a, a life of mm-hmm. adventure. She wanted to be a female right. escort. Why would you? Why would you say she wanted to be a female escort? This is just an escort, I would imagine. 
you know, I mean, specifically wanted to be a female escort. Okay. Um, and I hate to be this guy and I don't want to get canceled, but I like my women with, not with penises, you know, and, and eight inches. I mean, that's like, as my wife would say, that's like two and a half penises worth. That's, that's a lot of penis. It is. Yeah. No, she's, she's, that's why they call her old big cock. That's her nickname in the, in the sex worker circuit. (laughs) Well, she sounds lovely. She's Um, great. She's a lovely woman. Oh my God. I can't believe you just said that on the podcast. Um, great. Well then, uh, yes, send her right up. I'm in room 512 here at the, the, the Clarion yeah. Hotel in Arlington, VA, which is funny because VA uh, is the same two letters that start vagina, which is something you're going to be seeing soon when Diana <laughs> gets to your room. I don't necessarily think that's true. Hi, Brian. Hi, Jack. Where the hell are you? I'm in. <laughs> I'm in the Clarion Collection. Uh. Clarion Collection Hotel, Arlington, Virginia, room 512. What are you doing? Uh, I just got in from dinner, which is something I would actually like to talk about. I am here for work at uh, at Stand Together, the nonprofit organization that uh, I have uh, begun working for, uh, which is taking a heck of a lot of my time. I am working um, uh, to help with the uh, programming for the fundraising events that we do. Uh, It is an organization um, started by Charles Koch. And um, they really do remarkable work uh, where they really um, are trying to change society uh, as a whole uh, based on the principles of human progress. Yeah, like George Soros. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't necessarily think I would bring that uh, example into the office, but sure. People with a lot of money changing things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they, they, they actually do remarkable remarkable work and, and it, they're very very libertarian um slash conservative a little bit but uh, but you know very libertarian and very um principled you know they 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 support um a free speech organization called fire which hopefully can take the place of the aclu because uh you, fire actually still stands up for free speech well you you remember do you remember up. remember back in the day when i had a tv show jack yeah, I sort of remember that. And the he was the very second person I interviewed was Greg Lukianoff from Fire. He's coming to the he's coming to the, the event we're planning. Well, you know, then say hi because he knows me. He also probably knows you. He remembers you from the was remember we interviewed him at the the Gaslight Bar in the Meatpacking District. Of course. Yeah. Um, and I saw him at yeah, a, fi- I, I, I was at a fire event whenever I don't, I have lost track of time. I don't know time anymore, but because of COVID and the traveling, but, um, we uh, were at the Mandarin hotel. There was a fire event with, uh, and the head speaker was Salman Rushdie. Oh yeah. Cool. Who, who's very funny. But, uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I know, I know Greg and I know fire well. And I, I knew fire before everybody else knew fire. Okay, you win. Because I like free speech more than you. (laughs) Uh, It's not a competition, but I mean, that also might be the case. I am the best free speech liker I know. You know, everything that you're saying, I want to shut down, but then you would win. Thank you. So here's my situation. Here's an interesting thing I just learned about myself moments ago. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. 
I am, as you know, <laughs> as you know, I'm a fan uh, uh, of chain restaurants, which is uh, looked down upon if you are in New York City because there's so many restaurants around. And if someone hears that you like a chain restaurant, you are shunned and removed from social circles. Well, um, you know, chain restaurants appeal to certain people, yes. But if you live in a city like New York that has so many options, certainly, you know, they do look down at you for going to Olive Garden or Ruby Tuesdays. Yeah. Yeah. So I've noticed this uh, recurring pattern uh, when I go to Applebee's. Uh, you may know the chain. America's uh, favorite neighbor. I used to do their advertising. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's amazing. And that's actually true. Yep. Um, so... I've noticed that I when I would go there, and I really enjoyed getting their French onion soup, which I always thought was quite delicious. And then they have like this little club sandwich type thing. It was a, just a grilled club sandwich, it was delicious. And every time I would eat it, I just loved it. Every time I would get diarrhea after, pretty pretty quickly after. And I thought, well, that just comes with going to a chain restaurant. Like that's just that's the cost of doing business. Like okay. So I'm going to get, you know, I go there and order those things. I'm some combination of that um, Applebee's thing. And I, you know, who knows what they put in it gives me diet. Today, I went to a local uh, pub restaurant um, and I ordered French onion soup and they had this club sandwich. Uh, and I just got back to the room, was trying to get ready for the podcast. And I had massive diarrhea. For Maybe you're allergic, reason, you're allergic to club sandwiches. Yeah, club sandwiches. And uh, an onion soup. But I, yeah, but what combination? Why does that combination? I, I eat plenty of those things separately. But you put them together, and it gives me diarrhea. What is that about? Well, uh, that is, you know, that is something you'll have to talk to with your primary care physician, or maybe a gastroenterologist. Yeah, but I can't trust her. No, you can't trust the words that come out of their mouths, uh, and you can't retweet anything that's that, that, that like a funny joke about them, or you might get suspended without pay. Right, right. I mean, you just sort of have to agree with them and say, "Uh huh." Well, mm. you know, just as much as a man. I say that to her all the time. I think, it, I think, I think it helps. So, so maybe I guess the the solution is to not eat onion soup and club sandwiches at the same time. That way, you don't have to nauseate the audience. Look, after you went certain places in our opening, I figured, what the heck? I'm going to share. If there's one thing that is true about us on this show is that we are very open. We share about our lives. That's right. And speaking of, where the hell have we been? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, it, we took a week or two off after our big return episode um, due to some technical difficulties on, on my end. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, the fact that I've been busy uh, buying a house. Mm -hmm. uh, which uh, we closed or we, we uh, got an agreement on uh, two nights ago, 48 mm -hmm. hours ago mm -hmm. and um, house shopping and me taking care of my entire family uh, as the only healthy adult while my wife uh, got over her COVID. Did she like it? You know, she's one of these complainers uh, where she sort of says like, oh, COVID is fun. And your mom, is she still yeah. here? <laughs> she's, she is defying odds as a 75-year-old diabetic with emphysema who um, if she was positive for 15 days, but is still with positive and, and is, is now negative. 15. Oh, she's finally negative. Wow. She dragged that one out. Yep. She just needed attention. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. 
My goodness. So, uh, so that, that, that's the update. I mean, what, what about you? What, what's going on in your life? Well, I was supposed to return to Poland on Monday. Okay. But we're, we have to, I need a special visa. Because I stayed so okay. long the first time, and this would be another long stay, and then I would be overstaying in what they call the Schengen zone, which is the uh, the EU zone of countries that don't have any borders, so you can cross over them okay. freely. Um, but I would be overstaying, and then I would get in trouble and could get barred from reentry for a period of time, which would be bad since the rest of my family, uh, you know, has Polish passports and goes to Poland a lot. Yeah, you know, it would be bad. Couldn't go, um, you know, Christmas would be bad. I'd be sitting alone at home. Doesn't that all that bad? Yeah, I think PlayStation 5, maybe if Santa comes through. Yeah, see? I just something to think about. So, uh, so, uh, so our country doesn't want you to go um, help save lives. It's not, a, no, it's the European, it's the European rules. Basically, an American citizen can only go to Europe in the Schengen zone countries uh, for 90 days in a 180 day period. So my first uh, tour there was 56 days. The second would be 49. And then I'm, I, I have travel in August. So it, I'd be 123 days and 180. And that would be a big no, no. Wow. So they're, they're getting a special visa. It's, I think it's called a type type D or something like that. It's just taking time. Otherwise I would have, I would already be in Chemish. Oh boy, I know you're listening to me. Um, well, goodness. Uh, well, we're, we're going to be sorry to, uh, to to lose you again here, but um, but let's try and keep you on the podcast. Yes, we should because we keep getting emails from uh, nice emails from people, and surprisingly, you know, we we went off air for or off air. We we stopped recording. A f we didn't post a few episodes, and then suddenly people start reviewing us. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. They like, oh, I guess, oh, I feel bad. I guess I should have reviewed them. Uh, I'm going to review them now. So thanks for the reviews. That's that nice. Yeah. And I got some nice emails from folks though. I used to have those too. That's people just saying, hope you're doing well, okay. Uh, on that, on that, on that note, Brian, do you mind if I read the email that you forwarded me uh, just a few minutes ago? No, go ahead. Okay. So, so Brian got an email from a, 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 a wonderful listener um, named David, David H. And, um, and, and here, here's the message that was sent to Brian. <clears throat> Brian. While my wife and I have missed you and Jack getting to regularly do the podcast while you're in Poland, we wanted you to know just how much we appreciate what you did there. We're just now listening to your interview with Justin and have been brought to tears. Thank you for doing something we can't go do. I know you didn't do this for our accolades, but I have to tell you that you're my hero. David H. That was very nice. Has the bar been set so low for hero? Yeah, I, I mean, know. You know, it makes me angry. I'm over here in America, which I thought was the priority. And I'm doing things like keeping the economy afloat by looking at uh, pictures on Instagram of ladies in bikinis. Mm -hmm. They depend on clicks to not feed themselves. Well, what I mean, depends. Uh, hello. Uh, have you seen the Sports Illustrated cover? Some of them are really feeding themselves. They're getting a lot of clicks. They're getting a lot of clicks. You have to push extra hard <laughs> on the click. So, who, so now who's the hero, David H? Who's the hero now? You know, I just, uh, let, why don't we just split it? We can both be heroes, Jack. How's that? 
I don't like sharing things. I'm an only child. All right. Classic only Can child. I be the hero? I'll let you be the hero. That's fine. Thank you. And but again, I can't stress more clearly that I'm very comfortable where I am. I like going out to eat and stuff. So I'm not going to go to Shemish Poland. Shemish. Yeah, you like going to chain restaurants? Yes. With your American diarrhea. With your undeveloped palate. Polish diarrhea. <laughs> Just made me mad. David really got my goat uh, today, and I, I had to say something. That's why I sent you the email. I was, you know. I, Initially, I thought, oh, this is a very nice email. I'm going to send it to Jack. And I'm like, no, I should, it'll piss off Jack. That's exactly why I'm going to send it. <laughs> so did you, um, did you see the story today about, um, apparently there's this uh, 15-year-old boy who basically saved the Ukrainian capital of Kiev. Have you heard about this kid? Uh, the young ghost of Kiev? Um, I, I don't know if. I don't know what that is, but it, so it's a 15 year old boy who had a drone and had been like flying a drone for, uh, you know, for about a year before mm -hmm. the invasion. <clears throat> and he was uh, basically sending a tank locations and Russian military troop movements to the Ukrainian military. Oh my goodness. And I guess it was like the only kid who really, the only person who really <laughs> knew about drones or how to fly them. Really? So the Ukrainian military then bought him like a, a, a drone that was like three times more powerful and then just had this kid flying drone missions for them to find out where the Russian artillery was and the Russian tanks and that's how they were just blowing the hell out. That's, All those tanks and how they didn't lose the capital. That's phenomenal. I was not aware of that, but that's just how, I mean, how awesome is that? Uh, totally awesome. I mean, it's just, and the just this this war is just so insane. Just the the the, the number of videos that are out there, and just the the mm -hmm. way they've used drones. I mean, tank warfare and helicopter warfare. Like, no, thank you. Yep. I mean, of course, the Russian way of just sending armor in without uh, infantry support is just really brilliant. And then, uh, yeah, no, it's good. I mean, and then the just the helicopters, and you know, just uh, there's no way in hell I'd want to be in a tank or a helicopter at this point. Oh, seriously. But that's fine. Seriously. So keep it up, boys. What's that? Keep it up, boys. <laughs> keep blowing up. Gosh. Yeah, I get, I don't know if, you know, I know it's, it's technically bad, but I love watching these, you know, Russian tanks blowing up. There's oh, just, it's great. It just gives me a good feeling. I know it's terrible. I know, you know, that means like four or five people just died and were incinerated, but they yep. shouldn't be there. They're doing bad things. No, they should not. They're, they're raping, they're well, looting, the they're, you know, they're awful. Yeah. Well, that's what the kid said. The kid, I guess, was asked about it and said like, you know, do you feel bad? And he said, I, I do kind of feel bad, but they are invaders and they shouldn't be here. So right. yeah. he was sort of ambivalent about Yeah. It. It's kind of like, yeah. I just, I, I, at the very beginning, I felt bad for everybody involved. And then as things progressed and got worse, and then you start hearing about the atrocities being committed and the, the looting and the booby trapping just to, to kill people for no reason. And all, I just lost all sympathy. Booby trapping. Oh, they, they, this, this family came home and the little girl wanted to go play piano. And the mother noticed that all the awards on the piano had been rearranged. So they, they, they looked inside the piano had been booby trapped to, ex, to basically set off a grenade when somebody started playing it. 
oh my god that is i would understand it that's just a level of evil i can't comprehend yeah trombone is get get rid of them timpanis come on out of here harps no out but piano (laughs) that's a beautiful instrument yeah, I mean, like a tr- like a trombone, then then maybe it's like then maybe it's a neighbor who's just like I can't stand this family. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I like, get that. Like, no, no jury's going to convict them. No, I don't like brass. I, I know you don't. Don't want your trumpets or cornets. Get out. Yeah. Oh God, I forgot about cornets. No, yeah. I played cornet in high school, not even high school, middle school, and I faked it. I didn't even know hey, what I was doing. True? Yeah, I, I would sit in the back and just pretend I was playing. I had no idea what I was doing. Brian, that's what I did. For, and this is true. Um, that's what I did on the trombone. Really? I, I had no idea. I didn't practice. I hated it. So I just sort of watched the way the other people in my row were moving. And I just sort of pretended to blow and move it in the same way. How come nobody caught us? How did we get away with faking instruments? Oh, my, my, um, my uh, teacher uh, caught me. So I, um, I, I told the administration that he, uh, he touched me and got him fired. Oh, good for you. Thank you. I mean, I, mine touched, mine I mean, touched me too, but it was kind of like, it was, it was mutual. So you didn't report yourself? No, no. Hmm. Okay. I actually I mean, to his own, I guess. tried to get myself detentions as much as possible. Just wanted to spend quality time. Okay. Well, um, it sounds lovely, I guess. To each their own, Jack. To each their own, Brian. So, um, uh, but you know, you you know the situation. You're following these springs pretty well. You know, what other sort of um, unique ways are are uh, Ukrainian um, people and children uh, among them uh, disrupting the uh, Russian military? Have you heard any other stories? Yeah, I have. Oh, cool. Would would, would you mind terribly sharing some of them? Yeah. So, um, I, absolutely. Well, one of the techniques they've been using is they will when they they'll kind of pretend to evacuate a position. Yep. And they'll back off and the Russians will move in and they'll find crates of club sandwiches and French onion soup. And these Russians are, you know, they have terrible rations. They're hungry. They're, they're, they're thievy. And, and so they just dig into this stuff and uh, it gives them crippling diarrhea for, for days. Uh-huh. And so, you know, and, and then, it, then it just becomes that they devote all their time and energy to, to finding bathrooms. And looting toilet paper. And that gives the Ukrainian forces time to, to reassemble, to build, to, to, you know, get their supplies in order so that they can launch a, a counterattack. Wow. Yep. Amazing. The, the, these guerrilla warfare tactics are yep. so ingenious, you know? And another thing they did is they, yeah, please. they, they left, they also, when they back up, sometimes they'll leave boxes of fireworks and it'll say happy okay. Russia day. Today is Russia day. Mm-hmm. And it says, you know, please set off these fireworks to celebrate Russia day. And these Russians, you know, right. they, they see that and they're like, Oh, I, I forgot the Russia day. I did not know this. And they start firing the fireworks up in the air. Well, of course that just gives away their location. <laughs> and then 15 year old drone boy flies his drone over <laughs> And then, you know, turns that over to his friends. And next thing you know, it's unhappy Russia day. <laughs> wow. Yeah. My God, the military minds over there, really impressive. And there's a lot of psychological warfare. 
Oh, that's interesting. Um, I've always been interested in that sort of thing. Like, can you give me uh, give us an example? Yeah. So what they they have a there's a truck. It's called the Lim truck. And on the side, it's in Russian. It says limbs. And they have a general, and he's pretending to be a Russian a soldier. Mm-hmm. And he's driving behind it. And he, when he sees Russian soldiers, he'll pull over and he'll open up the back of the limb truck and it's filled with limbs. And he'll say, do you guys know yeah. who these belong to? And it kind of really, you know, they, they take a look and they, they see, you know, a lot of limbs attached to boots mm-hmm. and, and, and Russian uniforms. And they, it kind of, it sends the message that they're getting the crap beaten out of them, which really undermines their mm-hmm. self-esteem. Right. And then- yeah. What they've done, what the Ukrainians have done is they've stocked the liquor stores with tons of vodka because mm-hmm. 88% of the Russian military is alcoholic. That seems right. And they can't help themselves. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what they'll do is they'll say, there'll be a sign saying happy hour for Russians only. And the Russians will come in and they'll drink themselves senseless. And then there's a, there's a group of old women who come by and then stab them to death with knitting needles. <laughs> and the guys can't do any. They're, they're, personal. they're drunk and they're, they're just out like a light. Yeah. They, they call it a uh, pin in, in, uh, in Ukrainian. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so now for people who don't speak Ukrainian, um, what would that translate? Um, sons of bitches take this. <laughs> okay. See, this is why I'm glad I asked. Yeah. I thought it was something else. That no. Was yeah, no, it's not. I mean, it sounds like it, but it's not. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, all right, I, I got you. And, you know, for, for the limb truck, um, now, is it true? I thought I saw this. I thought I saw a story about this a few weeks ago in the, in the uh, online. I think it was on CNN. No, it was Yahoo News, where um, I, the limb truck kept getting raided by um, Heather Mills McCartney. Yeah, Heather Mills McCartney, uh, she's, she's convinced her leg is out there. You know, she's, she never fully believed that the, their leg was disposed of by the medical facility that performed the, the opera amputation on her. And so anytime she's, she's aware of, of the presence of a large number of legs, uh, she will be there. And she, she, she will you know, rifle through the legs and, and try to see if one will fit. She doesn't remember wearing camouflage or having combat boots, but it doesn't matter. She's convinced <laughs> that one of these legs might be hers. Yeah, of course. Uh, of course. Uh, you know, it, and people should, you know, I know, you know, they wound up getting forced and they're no longer together, but, you know, people should do some research on, on that. That was a really a great romance, you know, between Paul and, um, and, uh, and Heather Mills McCartney. You know, he, he really wooed her and swept her off her foot. Limb truck. Now, in one of the ways are the, are the people fighting back, Brian? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, Happy Russia Day is one way of fighting back. Um, sure. The, the club sandwiches and French onion soup, of course, uh, to get mm. get gastrointestinal attacks, as they call them. Um, yep. So, um, one of the things that I've heard is that uh, a lot of um, a lot of moms in the area have have banded together to they've stayed in the country and, and are, are fighting the Russians in like incredibly unique ways and are having massive success, perhaps even greater success than the armed men. Can you sort of tell us what, what's going on there and, and 
um, how it's been so darn successful. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's called the honey trap. <laughs> and so, as you know, uh, Ukrainian women are very pretty. There's yeah, they something are. in the water in Eastern Europe. And uh, so what they will do is they will leave little tiny jars of honey, kind of like breadcrumbs leading to the house and up the stairs and into the bedroom. And mm-hmm. then the she'll be lying in bed, uh, usually sure. exposing her top, her chest. Uh, and then she's got yeah. a comforter on her. And then the, the Russian soldier, which they call orc, uh, they call them orcs. And uh, so he'll come up the stairs and he'll okay. look in the room and he'll see this beautiful woman lying in bed. Her chest mm-hmm. is exposed. And she'll say, why don't you climb under the comforter and, and come to me? And so the soldier mm-hmm. will uh, disrobe, take off his equipment, and then he climbs under the comforter from the foot of the bed and starts making his way. And the next thing you know, he's the bed's all covered in honey, and it's very sticky, and he's stuck. <laughs> and then she gets up and removes the comforter, and he's he's lying there naked, face down, stuck to honey in the bed, and mm-hmm. they make TikTok videos. Okay. And they make the TikTok videos. They show them uploading the videos to the Russian uh, social media sites, humiliating him. And then they give him a gun with one bullet and they say, you know what to do. (laughs) That's intense, boy. Yeah. But then he takes a shot at the girl because that's, he thought, you know, I'm supposed to murder. It's like, no, no, no. And then everybody jumps on him, beats him to death with fire extinguishers. (laughs) <laughs> wow that's not what you necessarily expect from a honey trap no it's a, it's very disappointing your your skills we have documented this time and again on this show your skills as an ad man are second to none uh you did this uh as your profession in the 1990s um you have still sort of tinkered with it um and this is all true <clears throat> you have tinkered uh, in that field uh, from time to time since then uh, as little uh, freelance opportunities come up, you were a master at it when we had our show. So I was wondering if you could maybe just um, you know, tell us about the new advertising campaigns for um, for some different uh, companies in this campus. Would, would you mind doing that real quick? Yeah, I would love to. I love sharing oh, my advertising knowledge. That's a beautiful thing. That's so wonderful. So uh, first thing, uh, and I, I only know this because I heard the manager talking about it tonight. Apparently, you're doing the advertising for the restaurant I ate at tonight. Yes, I am. That's great. So, uh, so you're doing it for um, you're of course oh for the roadside grill, as in R H O D E side grill. Yes, Is that right. Yeah, roadside grill. Okay, yeah, that's great. So, wait, would you tell us about their their new ad campaign to try and um, you know, restaurants need to bounce back after the pandemic, probably more than just about anybody. So, can you go ahead and tell us what uh, what's going on there? So Roadside Grill, so, you know, they're, they're competition in all these chain restaurants, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're, frequent. They're, yeah. yeah and this is a mom, Roadside is like, you know, because you can tell because they spelled Roadside wrong. And it's a mom and pop. Okay. <laughs> That's right. And they're, they're up against these giants. Yeah, the sweet, illiterate couple yep. um, going up against, you know, the big uh, publicly traded company. And then, you know, it, cu- it cuts. So the commercial starts at the home of the, the people who own the Roadside Grill. Wow, cool. Yeah. And it's like a Dave Thomas thing. We're getting to know the owners. You're getting to know the owners. 
and okay. they live in a a mobile home. And he, the guy turns to his wife, he says, I really don't dig this mobile home. It's just, it's a rectangle. Yeah. I, w- I wish I had something better. And she goes, right. well, honey, you know, you could accept a, a lot of people are going to Ruby Tuesdays and TGI Fridays and they're not going to roadside grill, our restaurant. If more people came to our restaurant, we'd have more money and we wouldn't live in a rectangle. And he looks at her and he goes, you're right. So I know what we should do. And then it show it cuts to them at a Ruby Tuesdays. Okay. And they walk in and they pull out machetes and they just start chasing customers. And they say, this never happens at roadside grill. <laughs> They scare okay. the crap out of the customers. Customers fleeing, managers screaming, police are called, and then they leave. Yeah. But they get the message across. Okay. And then is there like a little tagline at the end of the commercial or, or like a final image or, you know, like what, what's the button on, on the commercial? Roadside grill or death. <laughs> you know, because... Well, they're reinforcing that message that if you're dining at a TGI Fridays or an Applebee's or a Ruby Tuesdays or a Chili's at any moment, uh, an older couple could come in wielding machetes and screaming that roadside grill, this never happens there. That's very evocative. Um, well, that's great, Brian. Well, some, you know, clearly you've still got it. Thank you. You're, you're very welcome. Um, uh, here's another one. Um, so here's another product um, that I, I, I hear your um, is a client of yours, a, a new client of yours, and that's a Hawaiian Punch. Yes, that's so interesting. That's you know the, the tropical, you know I guess their competitors would be what like a, a Gatorade and yes, yeah, um, sugar water maybe yeah all the sugar waters, all the sugar waters. So you know it's just yeah it's just a red sugar water thing, but that's certainly I mean boy you know we always had Hawaiian Punch when I was growing up, um, the weird little. Hawaiian Punch Man on the on the um, on the can. It's always a can of Hawaiian Punch. I've used candles before. Yeah. Growing up. So what? Um, how's Hawaiian Punch? Um, I, I hear they have about a five million dollar ad buy, and they're um looking to really rebrand and and expand. What what's the plan there? What tell us about their commercials? Yeah, they want it, they want their product to be front of mind. You know, when people are thinking about drinking a sugary drink. Hmm. And so they're introducing a new character. He's, uh, his name is Hopo, H-O-P-O. It's a Hawaiian name. And he's a Hawaiian gentleman. Okay. He's in a grass skirt. Oh, cool. He's wearing a grass skirt. And, and he's got the Hawaiian hairstyle. Yep. And, um, but he's set in New York. Oh. And so people oh, are yeah. walking down the street just doing their own thing, you know, ignoring you like they do in New York. And he runs up from behind them and punches them in the back of the head as he says, mahalo, which is uh, Hawaiian. <laughs> and so he punches. And the idea is uh, to knock them out with the one punch. Uh-huh. And if they get knocked out, uh, you know, he, he goes, you've been Hawaiian punched. I definitely see some problems with that one, but, but I mean, certainly you'll remember that one. Now that you say if, if someone goes down on one punch, what happens if he isn't able to land sort of that finishing blow? Well, then what happens? That's one of the reasons um, 
we moved it to New York City, which does does not have a concealed carry uh, laws. I mean, it, it really there's a there's a low probability of somebody carrying a firearm because when we tried right. this in Texas, uh, Mahalo punched in the back of the head and the the guy staggered forward and turned around and and uh, put a couple of bullets into Kobo, who was the original hobo. It's another Hawaiian name. So we yeah. decided to move our campaign to to a city that uh, prefers people not be able to defend themselves. Right. And basically let uh, people get punched in, you know, especially Asians, Asians on subways. Right. Um, just allow people to get punched in the head. Yes. And that's the other thing. We've laid off the Asians because other people are beating Good. the crap out of them. Oh, oh okay. So you're, you're sort of, uh, uh, you're, definitely not racially profiling. You're racially profiling everyone else other than Asians. Yeah, we're not, we're not, uh, Hopo has been instructed to leave the Asians alone for now. He's, he's focusing on uh, white, uh, black, in, indigenous, and Hispanic. But right, he's right, leaving, right. he's leaving the Asian and Pacific Islanders alone. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. We'll get them later. Well, that's, that's really inclusive. Thank you. Oh, that's great. Hopo, okay. Well, that you know, um, now I, I hear, and this is very exciting, because I always love when you tell me about new characters that are being launched. I'm an enormous fan uh, of, of the characters that you tell me about, because you always come up with such great ones. I was wondering if you could please tell me about because you've already come up with it. Uh, there's a new um, a new character, uh, apparently, for um, for uh, GE Microwave Oven. Yep. Strange. Uh, strange to have a character for appliance i'm not sure i've ever seen that before yeah well the idea is you know microwaves cook fast yep yep right? and so i thought you know, what can we do you know somebody who who really needs their food in a hurry ah terminal tim <laughs> oh okay so tim has stage four uh thyroid cancer and lung cancer the writing's on the wall. Right. And so he, he doesn't have any time to waste, and that's why he only eats microwave foods. Right. And so uh, basically the first spot will be uh, Tim's wife uh, in tears, and she's cooking on the stove. And it's just, you know, she's stirring, and it's just taking a long time. And he just looks at her, yeah. he says, "I we can't do this. And so he just grabs the frying pan, he flops everything onto a plate, and throws it in the microwave and zaps it for 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And it comes out and he sits down at the table and he picks up his fork and knife and he starts eating the liver and onions. And it's incredibly hot. He's screaming in pain, but he doesn't have time. So he's eating it. <laughs> and he overcooked it a little bit. It's overcooked. It's, 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 it's incinerating the roof of his mouth and his tongue. But, you know, there's no time. He just needs to get that food right. in his body and move on to the next thing. Terminal Tim. Terminal Tim. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, that, that's got it. That's, that's rough. Uh, wow. Yeah. It's like, it's, and the, the tagline is, is cooks faster than lightning when death is imminent. <laughs> that's so specific. I was thinking it might be something more along the lines of, um, uh, yeah. General Electric microwave oven. 
because every meal could be your last. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I could take that. I could be like MTV and just steal your idea. <laughs> I like the specificity of that. Um, okay, well, um, well, Joe, Brian, it's um, you know fabulous job, Terminal Tim. Terminal that's great. Yeah. Oh man, and uh, the, how how does the so, I mean, all those things happen? But then I, I get the tagline. But how does the actual commercial end? Like, what's the, sort of the final shot or the final image or or what have you? Um, you see the countdown. It's like it's counting down from ten. Nine, and you see the the dish spinning in the yeah, and then three, two, one, and then you know, uh, and then nobody opens it. <laughs> so you know. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a ten second minimum final shot. How long do you stay on that shot for people to really get the fact that I mean, not everyone is standing right by a microwave? When it goes off, sometimes, you know, you're off pouring yourself a glass of milk or something. Well, you can see a reflection in it. <laughs> like, a, of, of what? A Tim on the floor. <laughs> All right, well, look, GE's been making money since, uh, you know, since the dawn of time. So I guess they know what they're doing. Well, Brian, I mean, I think that's it. Unless there's anything else you uh, want or need to talk about, I, I think... Maybe we can call that a show. Yeah, we're going to have to, Jack. Oh, stop yelling. Don't, I'm not yelling. Uh, so you're in Virginia. I'm in Virginia. All right. And my new house is in Connecticut. Your new house will be in Connecticut. That's right. And next week you're going out to Colorado. Correct. Got a lot going on. A lot going on for... Uh, that wasn't the case for many of the years of this podcast, but it is now the case that I have things going on. That's great, I guess. Not so great for doing a regular podcast. Well, I, that's mostly mostly due to that little technical snafu we had, but right. uh, I have. But uh, yeah, that's uh, it, it's going to be just fine. We're going to do lots of shows from now on. All right, fine. As long as uh, listeners tell a friend. Yeah. About the show, or or we just start stop doing shows and then they just review us more. Listen, that's maybe the best way for us to grow this thing. <laughs> to just stop doing it, then let people review it. <laughs> uh, I see. This is how we Thousands get nice emails. Download the day. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, it's what, uh, okay. Well, maybe that's what we'll do. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what people do. If we get reviews after airing this episode, then we'll know that we don't need to resort to such measures. That's right. Now we'll start ramping things up again. That was Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. Subscribe on any podcast platform. Watch our clips on YouTube. Visit us at qmpodcast.com. 